0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Madam's Cast as we surge forward again on the crusade to find out more about the world of food, its foibles, its warts, the things it keeps hidden, the things that we know about, the things we don't know about and dispel some myths that perhaps aren't true and maybe find out some facts that we haven't even realised or begun to realise that we needed to know. As always, please do share your questions and your love for the Madam's Cast. you know, ask your friends to listen. Uh, do send us uh, questions uh, via tim at timmadams.com if you uh, want to get involved or if you want a specific subject discussed or you want to recommend somebody to come on. Those are all channels that are open to you. For the meantime, put your feet up, make yourself a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy the following discussion about the world of food and what we'd like to change about it. And I have an interesting guest for you as you have come to expect from the Madam's cast, we have an interesting guest. So without too much further ado, I will introduce Josh Puddle from Momo
1: Kombucha. Josh, are you there? I am. Yeah. Thanks. uh, Thanks very much for having me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Wow, Josh, we're looking forward to finding out not only about
0: you, but about your lovely product and what you'd like to change about the world of food. So welcome, pull up a chair, sit by the fire, you know, although I suppose middle of summer, perhaps the fire's not necessary, perhaps it's a barbecue. Um, Make yourself comfortable in the digital sitting room uh, that is the discussion forum for the Madam's cast and basically be welcome. Um, Where should we start? Josh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you, where are you from um, and how did you
1: get to being a kombucha producer? Yeah, so yeah, my name's Josh Puddle. I started Momo with my wife, Lisa. Um, we'll be celebrating our fifth fifth birthday um, in October. Uh, we've got two small children. Um, they're both actually hiding away upstairs, so hopefully they won't inter- interrupt this. Um, <laughs> CC is uh, five and a half, and Kaya is is three and a half. So I always I always joke that it feels like we had three kids uh, if you include Momo um pretty much at the at the same same time my yeah. Yeah. my background before i started fermenting tea was working in the city so i was an equity analyst uh doing doing company evaluation uh-huh. um but never really felt that it was it was right for me um and then it was uh and i'd always wanted to do my own thing and then it was actually a trip to new york back in 2016 with lisa Um, And she was she was telling me all about gut health, which at the time I'd never heard of um, on the plane on the way over there. And she said there's this fantastic product called kombucha, which is taking off in the States. And while we were over there, we went into a Whole Foods, as you do, and were kind of completely knocked back by the selection of kombucha they had. It was probably the biggest soft drinks category in the fridge. Wow meters wide floor to ceiling loads of brands uh, loads of different flavors and you know we were just completely hooked neither of us really was soft drink uh buyers or consumers we'd usually be going sort of tea coffee or going straight for a beer or a wine um but we felt if this stuff was available in london we'd be buying this buying this every day so um yeah a few months after getting back we we bought the big book of kombucha and a 30 pounds kombucha kit and things things started from there amazing amazing right so i've got loads of stuff i
0: want to ask but there's two things that spring up that for me that uh the listener outside might be more interested in or might pick up on so number one right gut health where's that come from i mean you know had lisa been reading some tim specter or uh, has she picked up a book on you know how had that come about was, was she concerned about her mental health or her dietary health where, where you mm-hmm. know what what sparked that interest and then secondly what actually is kombucha i mean you've mentioned fermented tea uh, but in my head if you ferment something you end up with beer uh, or alcohol and kombucha definitely isn't alcoholic is it so what's going on
1: there yeah, so kombucha. I'll start with that fermented tea. Um, essentially, it's a a healthy soft drink um, that's full of probiotics, and those probiotics are essentially live live cultures, um, so bacteria and yeast that are in the liquid, um, and that's what's really important for the for the gut. But it's also low in low in sugar. Um, it naturally contains a lot of healthy acids. The, the main one being acetic acid, which if you or your listeners have ever drunk apple cider vinegar, that's essentially the, the taste and, um, and the health benefits you get from that is essentially the, the acetic acid. And then you also get all the the, the health benefits from the tea. So tea, um, we use organic loose leaf tea, it's full of antioxidants, which again, really great for, for kind of fighting cell damage in, in the body. You're quite right, usually with fermentation, you expect there to be alcohol. Um, but the process in kombucha it's this kind of amazing symbiosis between um, between bacteria and yeast uh-huh. so the yeast kind of kicks things off first and it consumes the sugar in the in the tea and starts producing carbon dioxide so you see these little bubbles appearing uh, and also alcohol and then the bacteria actually feeds off that alcohol to produce the organic acid so at the end of the the fermentation phase, you have a product that's full of these live cultures, but there's only trace amounts of alcohol left. So it's kind of 0.2, 0.3%, the same as you might get in an orange juice if you've left that on the side. So, you know, completely safe safe for kids, um, drunk by a lot of people who, you know, are are sober. Um, So it's, yeah, kind of a bit of a nuance to to typical beer and wine. Um, Where Lisa came across gut health, I'm, I'm not 100% sure she, um, you know, since I'd say since then, we have read a lot about, um, obviously, you know, Tim Spector, he's actually visited our, our brewery, which was fantastic. That's cool. That's I think, cool. I think her link actually came from more. Eastern interest in, in sort of health and wellness and particularly Ayurvedic medicine, okay. which I don't know how familiar you are with that, but it's essentially, um, I think it originated in India, thousands of years old. It's kind of the sort of science of life. Uh-huh. Um, and if, and effectively they've been saying for, you know, quite literally thousands of years that everything starts with, with digestion, um, which is obviously, you know, happening in the, in the gut. And I think it was her interest from that and from a Basically. trip to india that took us started us onto that journey well modern science you know this incredible ability that they have now um, with
0: electron scanning microscopes and tissue culture and all of this stuff that they are just discovering more and more links between uh what you eat i mean it's an old saying isn't it what you are what you eat and you know i'm a huge fan of other people's podcasts one of the one i listen to a lot is the zoe podcast which is all about health and nutrition tim Spector is one of the partners in that And I just blown away. Uh, And we had Naomi Devlin on this very podcast. She's huge, uh, hugely knowledgeable about fermentation and gut health as well. And I'm desperately trying to get somebody else on as well. Uh, I quite like to talk to Sandra Cass about it. But you know, all of this stuff is coming back by modern science to be proven to be right. And one of the big things that they're talking about off the back of this is that. We've got it wrong. We've got a healthcare system which doesn't care for our health, it cares for our illness. It's built to fix a problem once it's there. It doesn't necessarily fix the root cause. And if we want to support and save the healthcare system that we have in the UK, which would be great, right? I think we all appreciate the NHS is an incredible thing, then improving uh, diet and well-being prior to an issue coming up is going to be way more effective than trying to fix all these problems that a modern diet. Um, from industrialized food systems seems to be creating. Um, so I'm totally with you there. That's massively uh, cool, though, to hear about that Indian connection. I didn't know that. And something that comes up in my head from that then is that for some reason I always thought that kombucha was Japanese.
1: Is it in fact Indian? It's it's um, it's well, they think it's either Chinese or or Japanese. The okay. the origins. Mm-hmm. Um, the most common story is that it originated in China, actually, about 2000 years ago, um, but was then exported to Japan by a, a Japanese physician called, well, the, the legend goes called Dr. Kombu. Um, and then he was Dr. Kombu and he sort of discovered it and described it as this kind of elixir of, elixir of life. Um, and then the char came from, from tea so yeah. that's how they say it is is the origins of why it's called kombucha amazing amazing well um a friend of mine
0: a long time ago now probably over a decade ago brought me some of his kombucha and said look i've made this and actually it's called something slightly different because he sweetened it with honey um, and it's got a different name i think if you make it with it's june oh there you go you are incredibly knowledgeable josh this is fantastic we're gonna have a great chat um And he brought me a bottle of that. And I was like, oh, okay, what's this thing floating in it? And he was like, well, technically that's just a protein. He said, but that's a live thing. So you can take that and make your own. And so we started doing that. And we started drinking it regularly. And my wife is sober. Uh, She gave up drinking after our second child was born. That's, you know, 11 years ago now or something. And she was looking for something dry to drink in the evening. As You know, anyone who's trying to cut down on their drinking or has got a, a wine interest and you want something really Distinctive on the palate, you will find kombucha pretty quickly if you want an alcohol-free version of something that's full of flavour and complexity. Um, he bought us that, and we started noticing that we were feeling better in terms of, you know, just just general kind of um, digestive health. And I think that has some other knock-ons too, and we can maybe talk about those as we get a bit further on. But I'm um, really excited to see that kombucha is taking off as a as a product. I've got a bit of a concern though, because I've bumped into a couple of kombuchas. There's a really great one up here in northeast Scotland called Gut Feeling uh, Kombucha. we really like that. But I have bumped into them in shops and airports and places like that, and actually they seem to be quite sugary still. I mean, we don't need to worry about this being a sugary drink in
1: disguise, do we? No, but you're you're right to be cautious, uh, and sugar contents do, do vary. Um so you need you need sugar to uh to make kombucha, but most of it gets consumed during the fermentation process. So at the end, if it's been made properly, it should be should be very, very low in sugar. Mm-hmm. It's actually a little bit of a warning if you see, and there's a few um you know, there's a few kombuchas now that will their kind of USP is sugar free. Um, but personally, I would be cautious on those because the sugar has then been replaced with with sweeteners, um, and the fact that kombucha is meant to have sugar it always makes me a little bit skeptical about my, what might have happened to the liquid for them to be able to sell it as as sugar free. Yeah, um, and those ones are usually at the more kind of processed end of the market, and I would say with. I mean, you're obviously doing the right thing and, and making it yourself. Um, we're, we're always, you know, in, encouraging and trying to help people who want to make it at home, uh, give, the, give them tips on, on how to do that. Um, but once you start buying kombucha from the shop, there's a huge, huge range in terms of authenticity and yeah. what you might be buying. So, um, you know, do be cautious. There are some, some sort of easy things to, uh, to look out for. Um, but you, you you might be spending a lot of money and not actually getting the the real deal. Yeah, I think I mean that's true with almost every product
0: out there, isn't it? People jump on the bandwagon, and I mean I, I think my takeaway from that is um, obviously do your research and and try and just read the ingredients uh, is always a good one. And I think you know, but taking the sugar out entirely and then uh, and then adding sweetener, I mean, for a long time, I think we've been guilty of thinking that artificial sweeteners are completely benign, but a lot of the sort of brand new science about artificial sweetness is casting that into some some shadow um, for various reasons uh, that we probably haven't got time to go into now, but I would definitely avoid that. And I think, you know, I make, I say, I, actually my wife Caroline makes the kombucha in our house. She's very good at it. I leave her with that task. Um, And we sometimes flavour it and sometimes we don't. But I really like trying other people's kombuchas because it gives you ideas for things to do with your own. And so I would definitely be buying um, Momo Cambodia. If I happen to be nearer to you, obviously Scotland and London, are a significant distance apart, but um, you know you're, you're probably about to tell me that it's in every spa shop in Scotland or something, and I've completely missed it. It's but it's you
1: know. it's, it's, n- it's not, but I'd be I'd be more than happy to send you up send you up a case, um, and we can definitely set up a, a discount code for your for your listeners. Oh, well, it, it just gets better
0: and better listening to the man. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, Nick from Wild Market gave us a little discount code for listeners to, to try out his place. Um, actually, that might be an interesting connection for you. I should probably link you up with Nick at Wild Market. He might be able to um, stock your product and and pop that in with his mixed wild produce boxes and send them. Oh, in. thank you. That'd be great. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm saying this on the podcast as if that's a deal that's done. I don't know. We'll obviously have to speak to <laughs> Nick about it. But I like the idea that there's these wild bacteria and yeasts living inside this uh, this scoby if you like um and 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 creating this wonderful thing uh, it sort of trips people out but the bacteria that live inside you know the microbiome inside our stomach those organisms were in existence a long time before we were and we've evolved around them and in symbiosis with them so supporting their environment it's clearly a good thing to do in terms of keeping ourselves healthy, All right? I'm I'm in danger of stealing this podcast episode from you, Josh. So I'm going to stop now with my hero worship and my excitement about your delicious kombucha. Give us three flavors that you make, and then we'll dive into uh, the meaty part of the Madams cast.
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, look, just 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 one thing before the flavors. So we actually try and make it um, probably just like your. Your your wife Caroline does, um, so we really try and stick to the homemade uh, methods of production. So all of our kombucha is fermented in in small glass jars, just like you would at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and really importantly, we don't we don't filter it at all. Um, so we keep all those live cultures that you've just talked about in in the liquid. Nice. Um, we've got well, we've got if you want it, we've got uh, four flavors. We've got a uh, ginger lemon. Uh, which is our most most popular nice. um we've got an elderflower which is uh super super smooth super refreshing a very good intro one if you're not that used to, to uh-huh. the taste of kombucha uh-huh. we've got a turmeric which is my my personal favorite very unique very earthy um and then we've got a raspberry hibiscus which is this amazing pink color wow. from the hibiscus um and i feel that one is the perfect Um, alcohol alternative looks really nice in a in a cocktail glass um and then we also really excitingly we do um seasonal collaborations throughout the year oh i Uh, want to do one i want to do one (laughs) (laughs) let me have a go um yeah you'd be more, more than welcome to send our brewers some uh some some flavor inspiration but we've um yeah, I mean, we, 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 we did a very exciting, we did a forced rhubarb kombucha. We wow. collaborated with a company called Natura, um, who oh, yeah. are an amazing organization, really trying to you know, shine a light on sort of proper agroecological methods and seasonality. And they, uh, they partnered us up with this um, fourth generation forced rhubarb farmer in Yorkshire, Robert Tomlinson who wow he, him and his wife they harvest all of the forced rhubarb by candlelight it's a really you know beautiful old old-fashioned operation yeah, um, yeah. and worked very very nicely in the in, in the kombucha so that's something really exciting to keep your eyes peeled for throughout the throughout the year amazing we love I love forced rhubarb um
0: it's got it reminds me of my early, you know, my chef days when I used to run kitchens. Yeah. You would look forward to the, the forced rhubarb at the end of January because you've been desperately clinging on with the pears and the apples and this, you know, and it'd be like, oh, my God, something different, a new ingredient. And it's arrived before the asparagus. You know, it comes before the spring greens. It's there. And it's just so exciting to have it. And it's got something incredibly vibrant about it. Um, and and it's an absolute nightmare to juice. so yeah, well done, yeah. well done
1: for persevering. Well, that was actually um, yeah, we I mean, completely completely overlooked how big a job that was. and <laughs> we, we actually we actually ended up doing it with um so it was predominantly my my wife Lisa and Ella, uh, our sales and marketing person, they did about four days of juicing in our kitchen at home. The whole the whole kitchen was covered in this kind of sticky bright pink forced rhubarb juice and it was a really physical activity because you're you're dealing with all the sort of you know <laughs> leftover fibers and they're really heavy and they're draining and they they did the most phenomenal job um but it was you know i think people when they're sort of swigging back the bottle hadn't had no idea just quite how much went into it uh, yeah. and you're completely right i mean i I had no idea how much buzz there would be around around force rhubarb. And yeah. usually when we do a special, we expect it to last for about six weeks. And this one sold out in about six days. And we had a lot of unhappy customers who hadn't had a chance to try it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So next year we've, we've learned our lesson. If we, if we do it again, which I hope we will, we'll, we'll make sure we make a lot more. And by an
0: industrial juicer, I mean, I'm laughing because uh, I've been doing some cocktail work with uh, an interesting guy for a local whiskey company that I've been doing some um, menus for. And we had this big launch event, so I was collaborating with their cocktail guy to come up and see if we could make the cocktails um, a little bit more uh, unique. Uh, and a little bit more, you know, thoughtful about provenance because the, the, the whiskey provenance is incredible, and the, uh, the sherry casks that they use, they using the sherry from the same cask. You know, lots of synergy there, lots of great stuff. But I just wanted to next level a few bits. And one of the things I was like, really slightly against. You know, one of the first things you learn about cocktails and sustainability is that the um, the citrus juice world is not a great place to be, and citrus production in lots of ways is very uh pesticide heavy as well as um as well as it having to be shipped around and i was like well, how do we make stuff sour and i was like oh let's juice some rhubarb so of course that was absolutely fine when i was juicing a little bit of rhubarb to do the experimental cocktail with yeah and of course we realized we needed like 50 liters of rhubarb juice and i was like okay that's one chef for a whole day with a juicer and we nearly broke the juicer and it was like oh god we're trying to juice all this rhubarb but it was really worth it i mean it's a really nice acidity I'm, I've been playing around with sorrel a little bit too because that's the same sort of oxalic acid trying to extract that from sorrel Um and juicing sorrel is a much more genteel affair but the, the yield isn't quite there so I'm, 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 I'm still thinking about that one okay yeah, right. we yeah, can obviously no, chat yeah. <laughs> forever oh sorry Josh I've interrupted yeah um, we could probably chat forever uh, about creative fun stuff but we do need to find out what you'd like to change about the world of food are you feeling sort of ready to, to deal with that? I'm ready yeah Okay, um, Josh Puddle. What is the first? Oh, Josh, you there? Oh yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah. Josh, what is the first thing that you would like to change about the world of food?
1: Let's hear it. So my my first thing is that I think we need way way more government inter- intervention on ultra processed foods. Um, if if I was in in charge, I. I think it, it's necessary that we look at kind of tobacco levels of, of taxation and apply apply them to the worst offenders um, and I totally appreciate that it is it, it's very complicated and it's not as, it's not as simple as that because you know there's there's so many different types of ultra processed and what it means and different quantities of emulsifiers. Um, but I feel like we need to be making much much more effort. Uh, in that in that direction mm-hmm. um it's apparently now in the uk and i think with with we're, we're the worst in europe half of all food bought by by families in the uk is now ultra processed and you know when you listen to the likes of of tim specter um who can really really breaks this this stuff down there's a whole variety of of, of cancers and heart disease and strokes and dementia um, that are being, you know, caused or certainly um, accelerated by the the consumption of of ultra processed. And I just think it's it, it's criminal. You know, these are the most profitable foods for, that companies can make, uh-huh. um, and they're they're highly highly addictive. Um, and the you know, the companies are, you know, they're able to to fund research and sponsor experts and sort of disparage the the known facts on what it's doing to people in the the health the health system um and it just it, it completely shocks me that there's 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 not more of a of a focus on it
0: yeah uh yeah, well, you won't get any argument from from me on that uh yeah I, and it's really hard isn't it because uh we have a whole generation of or several generations of people that don't necessarily cook in the way that traditionally we would think of cookery. Um, And ultra-processed foods in a lot of ways seem like the answer. I mean, you are talking to a a child of the 80s, you know, when all this stuff was really coming out. And I was blown, you know, I mean, the marketing was huge. You know, I could probably sing you, I won't, but I could probably sort of sing you the adverts for some of this stuff. Uh, And it's only now that we're sort of seeing this, this kind of coalescence of, of thoughtful people coming together and going, actually, you know, we're not just sort of a bunch of weird hippies talking about whole food, making things better. These these foods are damaging your gut microbiome, which is your sort of mechanical repair system that keeps a building blocks of your body functioning. And not to mention your mind, your mind is part of your body. I mean, this, um really interesting links between mental health and gut biome, but this link Mm. between ultra processed foods not only being bad for you because of the sugar content necessarily, or the fat content or the stabilizers, as you say, or the emulsifiers and all of these weird and wonderful things we've never heard of, but we just ignore on the packet. Um, But they're bad for you in this secondary way as well, which is that they're damaging your gut health, which is in turn, really damaging your body's ability to fix itself as it goes along. Uh, which is just slightly mind-blowing really when you think about it
1: yeah i mean it's, and it's also it's also mind-blowing about just how i mean i said the the 50 percent stat um and i think yeah. there's there's sometimes a perception that you know in in sort of cert, certain segments of society are sort of way way further ahead in, in 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 understanding this but then i i actually think you know being in the sort of the food and drink industry we're we're I, I sometimes feel in this just a tiny, tiny, tiny tip of a bubble. Um, yeah. I was, I was sampling our kombucha actually in a, um, this week in one of the top, top law firms in, uh, in the city and they had an amazing canteen. They had a really impressive selection of, of, of healthy drinks and snacks. And I was stood there with my table and my kombucha um, and you know sold sold a few bottles and had a couple of people interested. But as I was looking through people passing through the tills, it was probably 90% people were buying Cokes, Diet Cokes, and Fanta's. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Which, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm obviously aware that Coke is a very big company, but I I thought in that environment, you know, they wouldn't be taking 90% of, of purchases. It really you know really hit home how 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 far away we are from from making any progress against them
0: yeah it's funny isn't it so
1: i always think that
0: we used to boil that one down because um when i was at, at river cottage as a head chef there we didn't sell any of those drinks we did have locally made soft drinks which probably had just as much sugar in them but it was a sort of nod to that um and it wasn't a big market for us really We'd give water away for nothing and we had a lot of fruit juice and you know unfiltered apple juice and that sort of thing mm. um which again is full of sugar but not added sugar as it were and the thing yeah. that always used to blow my mind was like if someone if you if you put someone on a, and it gave them a little cup with five teaspoons of sugar in it and said here well, i just have that for your lunch mm. you go, well don't be stupid but if you give them a tin of pop which has got roughly five teaspoons of sugar in it mm. you know in in 230 milliliters of effectively water there's no nutritional value there they they drink it quite happily and you just sort of think that's that's a habit we've learned isn't it it's, and that tunes back to uh the body gets a buzz from sweetness because sweetness is a reward uh it fires off dopamine in the brain right and gives us that reward sensation so we've become it's very easy to become hooked to
1: it but when did yeah i mean sugary drinks
0: they're just everywhere aren't they
1: yeah. And I mean, to, I mean, you're, you're completely right. And I think I, I, I do think drawing comparisons with with tobacco makes sense. And you look, you know, how far even, you know, when I was in the last you know 20, 20 years where you could smoke in restaurants, you could smoke in pubs, you could, you know, you could buy cigarettes everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, they were covered in covered in branding. There was probably marketing regulation, but they were all, you know, sparkly branded. And you think how far and how quickly that's that's moved, you know, in terms of being restricted. Where you can have them having these horrendous pictures on the on the front of the packet, and yeah. you know, it has it has really really changed things. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying they should they should go that far, but it's just amazing to me that you can still, you know, shiny packets available everywhere, super cheap not heavily taxed I know there's the sugar you know they've introduced a the sugar tax on, on some soft drinks mm. but it just feels like they could do so 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 much more to to nudge people in the right direction and then you know use those use those funds to support um, you know healthier healthier eating
0: yeah I mean I think I'd go further almost and I'd say um... If regulation isn't going to stop them, and we and we decide not to not to stop people producing these products, um, which is what we've done with tobacco, right? You can still go out and buy tobacco when you're a grown up. If you decide to make that choice, you can make that choice. Um, you know that's fine. I'm almost sort of at the point where if we're not gonna if we're not gonna sort of ban some of these products, and I'm not joking. Uh, for those of you out there listening, I'm on my high horse a little bit here, but these foods are just as bad for your health as smoking. Right. We proved that smoking was bad for your health. They sort of controlled smoking and that slowly going away societal shift that you've talked about was huge. In my lifetime, everyone smoked and now hardly anyone smokes. Um, and certainly hardly anyone smokes all the time and hardly anyone smokes in a public place. You know, it's just not done. Um, <clears throat> we've identified various, uh, I say we, much harder working people out there than me have um, identified various foods that are so bad for your health that they are almost guaranteed to cause you Long-term health issues if you continue to eat them on a regular basis, and we've done virtually nothing to regulate that. Let's have a let's have a, the shop two different sides of the shop: the red side and the green side. And all the ultra-processed foods are on the red side, so everyone knows that that stuff is bad for them and likely to make them ill. And if you go and eat for, buy all your stuff from the green side. You know, you're you're, you're dealing with whole foods. Okay, so you might still be taking in a bit too much sugar. You might be having too much fat from time to time. You might be getting the wrong fats and all of that's more complex stuff that is down to the individual to learn and eat a balanced diet. But at least you've separated what is effectively poison from what is effectively food. Um, Yeah, that's that's kind of where I sit on that. So as far as I'm concerned, you you march on, brother. I'll be be (laughs) there next to you. I'll wave a banner, whatever you want. Um, ultra processed foods. Uh, you know, we need way more uh, in activation on that. I agree um, totally uh, with you on that one. Um, what is he, But uh, what's an ultra processed food then? So if I get some organic pork and mince it up and add a little bit of salt and put it in a sausage skin, I've got a sausage, right? That's not yeah. ultra processed, but it is processed. So where does the ultra bit come in? Do you think, or, or what, what can we do to help listeners understand what we are talking about here?
1: Yeah, I mean, for for me, for me, it's it's and I and this is this is just how I think about it. And I have started, yeah. um, you know, pretty much read, read back or pack on everything now. But it's it's where you're starting to use. For me, it's where you're starting to use things that you probably aren't finding in the supermarket or on your shelves. Yeah. Um, you know, I think emulsifiers, particularly particularly bad, um, artificial sweeteners, anything kind of chemically. Uh, are the things that I personally would 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 tend to tend to avoid. That's a really simple way of putting it. Actually, you've 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 distilled that nicely.
0: Basically, if you read the ingredients list on the back, and it's not stuff that you would have at home to cook with, or be familiar with as an ingredient, or understand where it comes from, that's ultra processed.
1: Yeah, and it's it's. It's, I, I, it's, it's, it's not, it's, they're actually, it's not that hard to avoid. I think if you're, you know, once you're a little bit aware and, you know, at first you might be a bit surprised about certain things, like you might, you might think you're buying a, a healthy dark or a healthier dark chocolate, let's say. Um, and they, you know, different, different brands or the supermarket own brands would vary actually very significantly versus... Say a green and green and blacks organic, and as soon as you look at the back, you can you can you can tell the tell the difference. Amazing, amazing. Okay,
0: well that's great, and I could talk about that all day long. But I suspect you've got a good second thing that you'd like to change about the world of food, uh, Josh. So, in you know, it, I think if you're done with ultra processed or at least that yeah. part of it, then then let's dive on with number two. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit here and, and back you
1: up on everything. Yeah, my I mean my second one is. I, I think we need a, a proper revolution in nutrition and catering and education in schools. Um, and as you said, you child of the eighties, I was probably child of the nineties and we, you know, the amount of Turkey Twizzlers I ate and other absolute crap. And sadly, my kids' school, I don't think things have, have changed very much um at all and i i just think that's a you know a real shame given some of the things we've talked about and how it's you know fueling their their growth uh getting stronger you know their their ability to learn um i think there's you know a heck of a lot that could be done um some of which i I acknowledge is, is 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 at the harder end of the scale but i think there's plenty of things that would actually be um you know be be pretty easy to do and just to, to draw some lines on what is not isn't I- acceptable um so i mean like firstly i just think if they just cut out the crap so some of the things we talked about in my first point of ultra process just just make sure that's not available um available at schools i i think it should be you know they should be eating whole foods lots of vegetables possibly even um you know, vegetarian diet, I think would be better at schools. And I'm not, um, you know, I, I, eat, I eat meat myself, but I'm, I'm trying to make it more of a special occasion, and definitely trying to eat, eat, eat less of it. And yeah. I think as kids get older, they you know, more and more become so much more, um, you know, concerned about the environment. And I just think if it was a leveler to show that you can have you know amazing nutritious tasty tasty food um that's vegetarian i think that would probably be a positive thing thing for schools um and i think they yeah i think they should really try and use you know positive positive role models who care about their health and um, care about nutrition to you know whether it's through through sort of videos or whatever they, they they show the kids um to really try and try and teach them that i mean you don't want to be you obviously need to be sort of mindful of language and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to shame, shame any kids or, 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 you know, try and avoid kind of good and good and bad. And this, this type of thing, but, you know, encourage them to eat mindfully, e- encourage them, you know, can they, you know, to sort of get back to nature and, you know, farm visits and getting excited about seasonality or, you know, proper teaching on, I don't know. Studying kind of hunter gatherers. Um, as as kids get older, you know, you can focus on 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 things like biodiversity and the impact of food production system. Like really, really interesting, important things that I certainly wasn't wasn't talked about in taught about in school at all. No, well,
0: I mean, I remember learning a little bit about basic nutrition in science for GCSE on um, studying calories and uh base nutrients and things like that and then walking out of that and into the break time situation where everyone's eating pink sausage rolls and it's, it's a bit like yeah, it's slightly disconnected those two <laughs> yeah things. It wouldn't have occurred to me at the time but certainly looking back i'm like there's a massive disconnect there um and and you say quite rightly i think you know we mustn't shame the kids and i 100 percent agree with that no one should be made to feel bad um when, when they're a child, but actually, I think we do need to shame the grown ups to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've allowed money to be the major motivator in providing nutrition for our children in education, um, which really is a drop in the ocean compared to providing the education costs uh, that are there anyway, uh, and something that we should be very proud of our education system in the United Kingdom. I think. Um, I, I absolutely let's shame the grown-ups that yeah, yeah, let's go let's go to the education secretary or whoever they are and, and, and say look okay um you're feeding our children rubbish let's make this better we made it bad so obviously there was a way of making it bad let's make it better you know we need to we need to do we just need to do it we just got to get better because actually kids are great and if if they start eating better stuff and start feeling better at school and learn about all of that stuff that rolls out, it comes home as well and things will get better at home. Yeah. So a revolution in school food and nutrition, that's great as a point number two. Um, we've summed it up nicely and we've looked at some of the issues. Um, and the provision of that is not just down to money. We need the will to do it. And some of that needs to be political will. Uh, and that's a bit of an issue at the moment for anything it seems, but, um, we must move on to point number three. What's the third thing you'd like to change about the world of food, Josh?
1: So my point number three, we actually touched on. Or you you touched on rather nicely in the the, the kind of opening introduction. Um, but it's that we need to see a huge shift in our in the healthcare system. So nutrition becomes a much much bigger factor. Um, and again, I I I I totally acknowledge that that is not easy Um, but my understanding of speaking to friends who are doctors is that nutrition and lifestyle uh, and the impact that has on people's health pretty much doesn't factor in at all to the training Um, and when you look at the you know when you look at sort of Eastern, eastern science and eastern medicine like Ayurveda um, the whole focus really is on how many of these things are preventable mm-hmm. um, and i I just feel that you know totally acknowledge that if you 've gotten you know if you 've got an infection or you 're in a car crash you know the west western medicine is you know absolutely best in class and you want those you know those those operations and the uh, the drugs that can can help you there but it's i just can't fathom the fact that when they look at the Some of the other diseases, diseases that are growing, you know, so, so fast that they don't acknowledge, they literally sometimes don't acknowledge that there's, there's any link. And I've had some, you know, personal experience recently where there's a bit of a conflict between what the, um, what my Ayurvedic doctor says and what the Western doctor says, and they're just not remotely open to the, to, to the conversation. It's, it's really quite bizarre. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. Um, there is no doubt that
0: modern lifestyles and diets are causing a crisis in the in the healthcare system. I mean, I'm currently reading Unprocessed, um, mm. which is a rather good book, uh, and it's it's very interesting. And in, in that, the author states that one of the biggest uh, problems we have is um, is dementia, and that's going to be the most expensive and most long going uh, problem for us to fix. And it, you know how soon that starts and how that's caused is just looking more and more and more at lifestyle and diet you know stress and stress and uh, nutrition and, and so that's a huge challenge for the NHS and us as a society to cope with not to mention the emotional challenge of it as well um, but it also looks like you know unless we do something that that problem is just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. and we need to be telling people in their 20s uh, if not before to start thinking about that and making sure they're future-proofing themselves by eating well and looking after themselves. It's, um, it's complicated, isn't it? But a huge shift in the healthcare system is needed mm. um, for so many reasons. And like you, I think, you know, I absolutely um, want to know that that critical care system is there if I ever need it. Um, yeah. I'm only here talking to you because it does exist, so I can tell you. So, you know, that's, that's very important to me but in order to protect that we need to make sure it's not overwhelmed by problems
1: that we're causing that are unnecessary yeah and i think i mean from speaking to to friends who are doctors you know they it's almost they're almost warned not to talk about lifestyle and food because they can come under such sort of huge huge criticism and almost get you know get in trouble for for doing so it's almost like yeah you know, that's not not their realm mm. it's you know give give out the pills give out the sticking plasters and just completely ignore the you know what's what's happening happening underneath um and yeah i think un, in, unless that that changes the problems will will just carry on getting 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 far worse
0: yeah you're right i think you know there's there's a there's a there's, there's a fine line between bullying someone right and giving yeah. them sound and and robust advice and i think That line should never be crossed, particularly in a healthcare situation. I mean, it's just no, you know, no one wants to get bullied by their doctor or made to feel humiliated. But there are ways of doing these things, right? Mm. You can get people together into groups and say, look, can you come to this clinic because we want to talk to this cohort of people about things that they can do to support their medication journey, right? There's ways of putting this together and there's projects that are underway to do that, and Europe they seem to be a lot better at it, particularly in the Scandinavian countries. So I think I think we're going to go through a revolution with, uh, with our nutritional health and our understanding of that, as we have recently done with mental health and how much more accepting everybody is and aware of, uh, of mental health, which in some ways has led to this sort of awkwardness of talking to people about taking control of things that they can help themselves with um, rather than medicalizing everything. Uh, but yeah, you're yeah. right, there needs to be a paradigm shift within the
1: healthcare training system as well, right? Yeah, and yeah, and, and yeah. I think it, I mean, I, I unless it's changed, I think it's almost next, next, next to nothing, which is just totally, totally staggering. Amazing. Well, I think a lot of that
0: because the science is so young, it hasn't filtered in there yet, right? I mean, we're sort of on the crest of this wave here, um, and eventually that will get back to the science, uh, you know, and then the anatomy degrees that people take to get into medicine in the first place, right? So I think that'll be. Um, that will get there but yeah it could be quicker would be good
1: Um, fascinating
0: stuff well i mean as ever you know it's not our job on the madams cast to fix the problems it's only to merely make them go away as if by magic so i'm with you i'm with you i'm with you completely um let's have a shift in the healthcare system brilliant and not only not only for the reason of making people better but for the reason of maintaining that healthcare system which is on the point of collapse as we speak well, Josh, you've done well. You've changed three great things about the world of food there. I mean, it's a much nicer world now than when we started the conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I will have one. Uh, if, if you'll allow me one one more very briefly. Um, oh, a sneaky which one. Is, uh, which is for my, um, well, mainly mainly for my wife, Lisa, um, and hopefully our, our local councillors are listening and they will take note. Great, but, let's um, have it. Go on then, quickly. Big, big, big side rant on old diesel fueled vans that um ice cream vans that idle outside playgrounds and there's a lovely little public paddling pool near us but to get to it you kind of have to fight through the fumes of the ice cream van that just sits there on all day um and yeah my wife's blood literally starts boiling whenever we whenever we see it and again it just seems seems a bit bonkers in this day and age um and particularly bonkers when about 20 20 meters away there's a perfectly lovely little sort of shop selling nice nice ice cream um i don't think we need to be be burning burning that diesel all day so i'd probably sorry kids but i'd probably get rid of all the the diesel ice cream vans out there as well yeah it doesn't seem any need for them
0: to be diesel powered and selling poison at the same time I'm going to get lots of emails from frustrated and angry ice cream uh, providers and of course you know the occasional ice cream isn't going to do any harm you know let's be clear about that unless it's full of horrendous emulsifiers Um, perhaps one's a sidestep there but yeah I agree that sort of slightly odd situation of polluting the environment and you know handing your children something that's bad for them at the same time uh, is a slightly sort of weird <laughs> situation yeah. to be in when you start to view it in that way yeah, and become aware of it brilliant okay well there you go you've managed to sneak in a number four too so that's a very specific gripe and I can see that that's obviously happening you know near you and I can understand why that would be a challenge I I, and I think it's what takes me back to the food in school thing I would also change the food in the health and leisure centers I mean I get fed up with you know walking You walk through the leisure center to go to your exercise class or use the gym or have a swim or whatever it is you do. And there's vending machine upon vending machine upon vending machine full of ultra-processed food. And you're like, oh, for God's sake. So we're making people fit. And unhealthy at the same time. (laughs) What's going on there? Uh, That just does, that's such a disconnect. I don't know what that's about. But anyway, um, having written to a council in East Devon about it when we lived there and got zero response from them, I can't see that changing anytime soon. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Um, Right. Okay. Well, on the way out, having changed the world for the better, as you certainly have, Josh, um, you get three little fun things on the way out. You get to nominate a future guest of the podcast, you get to choose a sort of desert island food book, a food book you wouldn't be without, and a drink that you might have a little sip of or a glug from while you're perusing that book. Um,
1: Do you wanna give us those? And then we'll do the thanks and handshaking at the end. Yeah, absolutely. So the the person I think you should have on uh, is a woman called Amelia, who runs a fantastic business called the Bold Bean Company. Okay. Um, they or she, she she describes her mission to get people obsessed with beans um, and she's totally succeeded with with me and my me and my wife Um their, their beans are just so tasty so good they pretty much go with anything uh-huh. um, real you know fantastic addition to to any meal and also you know we've talked a lot about gut health great for the gut because of all the the fiber in those those beans um it's a really it's a really fun fun company that they're they're creating as well um loads of uh sort of recipe inspiration which they call i think they call it beanspo um and yeah i think she'd be a fantastic guest to guest to have
0: let's have her i'm I'm totally up for that put us in touch We'll, we'll we'll get her on she sounds like she's got her finger on the pulse (laughs) <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, Dad. Jake crept in there. Uh, apologies. Okay. Um, what about a book then? And this is a tricky one. That everyone struggles with this.
1: Well, the book actually—it's um, a book called Quench Your Own Thirst—and oh. it's been a really important book to me um, on on really on on for starting Momo. And it's about the guy who started uh, Samuel Adams Beer over in the, okay. over in the States, a guy called Jim Cock. And he, um, they, 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 they initially were the, the sort of first big, big brand that had success in the craft beer wave. Okay. Um, and it's all about, you know, how he sort of quit his city job to start the company. And, you know, they had a huge amount of success and I, I love the book because it's, so much of it is around the focus on the product, um, which you know I think if you're starting a you know business like that, it's it's so important to always come back to you know how do we make the product a bit better, how can we improve it, um, and then the the kind of the good fight that you have to take on against the big incumbent brands. Um, so I think I've read that about three times already since um, sort of before and and during Momo. Um, and I feel like I'd never, never get bored of that book. Great, fantastic! It sounds like an inspirational tome. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick it up. Quenching your own thirst, Stuart Adams. Uh, 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 yeah, the author's called Jim Cock, and the the beer brands he started with Sam, Sam Adams. Oh, Sam Adams! I can't read my own handwriting. I have got that Jim Cock here down in in
0: um, uh, in in the notes. So we'll stick a link to that up, along with. Um, everything else that we can find to stick in the show notes for you and was we'll okay so what are you going to sip while you're reading a book about craft beer I wonder
1: well yeah if I'm um, yeah when I'm not drinking fermented tea um, my fermented drink of choice is definitely beer uh, yeah big beer fan and we did a we did a really great collaboration earlier in the year with a, a local brewery called Orbit Beers uh, they're based in kind of Elephant and Castle Camberwell in London, I really like really like the stuff they do. But one of their core range is called their their Ivo. It's a pale ale, super tasty, always really consistent. So I'd definitely be uh, yeah have a have a glass of that in my hand while reading quench your own thirst. Fantastic, brilliant. Uh, that is wonderful. Well, I'm gonna. Um... I'm going to
0: enjoy a glass of your kombucha uh, when I'm editing this podcast and sending it out there for everybody to enjoy and send me notes on and suggest things about, which would be nice to hear. Um, where do we find you? I mean, I've just followed you on Instagram, I think, which is exciting, um, because I like to follow people on Instagram and find out what's going on with them. Uh, where else can we find you? You got
1: a website, that sort of thing? Yeah, so Instagram is Momo Kombucha. Our website is momo Kombucha um that's probably the probably the best best place and yeah we'll I'll after this I'll, I'll set up a a discount code so we'll make it uh, madam's 15 for 15% off any of our 12 or 24 bottle cases so if Amazing. any of your listeners uh, do want to give it a try um a little a little something for for them and of course we'll send a send a case up to you oh
0: well I mean I'm winning left right and center I'll have to send you something back I'm happy to do that too um, Josh, I won't take up any more of your time. Huge thanks for taking part in the Madams Cast project. It's um, it's just for fun, right? So it's great when people are so keen to get involved. Uh, and and take part and the conversation is moving along and lots of things are changing and I think the thing for me to take away is that we often feel like we're complaining about these things or talking about these things or asking why they're not better and these days compared to 20 years ago I meet so many more people who sound the same and who are doing things in their own little way to make things better so let's leave it on a celebratory note and thank you for making a great product that is in its own way improving people's health, changing the world and improving
1: in the world of theme nice one Josh yeah thanks for having me I really really enjoyed the chat awesome
0: um, alright toodle pip catch you soon cheers